For the vast majority of fighters who make it, their UFC debut doesn't exactly set the sport on fire. Sure, they can win, probably on the prelims, to an opponent of comparable experience, but unless they were a big star from another promotion or a champion from a well-known regional show coming in, there's likely to be very little fanfare or interest in them at all. There's been 560-plus UFC events, lots of athletes come and go unremembered, which is what makes the 10 fighters on our list today so special. They came into their first bout essentially unheard of by the majority of UFC fans, and by the time the night was over, they were all anybody could talk about. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, and hot off the press, Jocko Fuel is back and back with a banger. All Jocko Fuel supplements are now available for subscription purchase. So, using the exclusive code MMA On Point 20, not only are you getting 20% off your subscription at originmain.com slash jocko-fuel, you're getting free lifetime shipping with no need to reorder once you're subscribed. Anyways, more on that later. For now, though, these are 10 star-making UFC debuts from unknown fighters. Number 10, Mike Perry. It was pure luck that Mike Perry ended up on the main card for one of the biggest UFC pay-per-views in history. The rematch between Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor was set to take place at UFC 200 until Conor no-showed a press conference and the fight was moved to 202. Mike wasn't supposed to be on the card prior to that, though. His opponent, Hung Gyu Lim, was set to take on Sultan Aliyev, but he pulled out a few weeks before the event, and so 7-0 Perry was to make his promotional debut. Lim was 13-5-1 and already had five UFC bouts and two Fight of the Night bonuses. He was a heavy betting favorite going in against the unknown Perry, who had really fought anyone of note or been in any major promotions. Platinum would make his strange mark before the fight even happened, though, with his ridiculous weigh-in stare-down. That strange, memeable moment aside, Perry would go on to shockingly put Lim away in the first round, dropping him three times with a flurry of big, nasty shots before finishing him on the ground. This was only overshadowed that next week by the racism coming from his corner, which led to an interview with Ariel Hawani. With such a massive pay-per-view audience, Mike Perry and all the weirdness that comes with him had arrived in the UFC, and from there it was nearly instant infamy with eyebrow tattoos, Darren Till, and girlfriends in his corner. Number 9. Steven Thompson Wonder Boy, what is the secret of your powers? I think it's the kicks and the cheesy jokes. Whatever it is, it was on full display in his debut. Stephen Thompson started his UFC career in the worst place possible, the Facebook prelims of UFC 143. Nobody cares about the Facebook prelims. Thompson was a plucky 28, but looked in the face about 17. He was just 5-0 as a pro from the southern regional scene. What he lacked in MMA experience, though, he made up for with his karate and kickboxing background. Most of his accomplishments were at the amateur level, though. It's not like he was out there winning K-1 titles or something which isn't to say he's not world-class, just that he probably wasn't well-known to most. His opponent, Dan Stitchin, was a 7-1 prospect out of the Chicago area, a strong grappler, an interesting matchup for such a pure striker as Wonderboy. The first round would mostly find Stitchin confounded by the unorthodox style Thompson is now known for, while the commentary team compared him to Lyoto Machida. Just when Goldie had mentioned that Steven hadn't really done any damage yet, though, he would land the cleanest of head kicks and absolutely crumble his opponent, earning the knockout of the night and immediately becoming a fighter with an interesting and exciting style to watch out for at welterweight. Number 8. Rich Franklin in 2003, unless you were actually involved in MMA in some capacity, you probably didn't know a ton about the new fighters coming into the UFC from the regional scene. Math teacher Rich Franklin had an impressive record of 11-0-1, with a notable win over Marvin Eastman at the first-ever WFA show. But beyond that, it was tape traders like matchmaker Joe Silva who were aware of his talent, but not a whole lot of fans. Franklin would be thrown directly to the Wolves in his debut at light heavyweight against former title challenger Evan Tanner at UFC 42. Evan was 27-3, his only loss to the promotion coming in that 
championship bout against Tito Ortiz. Since then, he'd won four straight with three finishes. Naturally, coming into the fight, the veteran Tanner was the betting favorite. The commentary team even talked about how this was a bit of a tough draw for your first time in the octagon, but it would be the former title challenger who was in trouble. For the majority of the two-and-a-half-minute fight, Ace was able to keep Tanner on the outside and punish him anytime he came in to try and grapple before wobbling him, dropping him, and then finishing him on the ground. It was a beautifully stunning debut and number 391 in the UFC's top 500 moments. Two years later, he would meet Tanner again, this time taking the middleweight title from him. Number 7. Johnny Walker Considering that Johnny Walker is the most recent debut on this list, it honestly makes what he did even more impressive because in the modern UFC with fighters entering on the Contender Series left and right, there's just a million new names and faces it feels like. To truly stand out right away is no easy task, but it's made a bit more manageable when you're six foot five, jacked, and are still somehow fighting at light heavyweight. Walker had all the intangibles, the look, the charisma. He was this larger than life figure, but that doesn't mean shit if you can't put it together in the cage, and oh, did he ever in his debut at UFC Fight Night 140. Walker was a product of the Contender Series Brazil. He'd won a decision over Henrique da Silva. Prior to that, he was 13-3 on the Brazilian regional scene, fighting at smaller shows. He would get quite the opportunity in Khalil Roundtree. The Warhorse had three finishes in his last three wins, and just knocked off kickboxing star Gokensaki in a massive upset that earned him a performance bonus. Roundtree would enter the cage a minus 285 favorite, but had nothing for the Brazilian. After 90 seconds of feeling out, Walker exploded into pure violence, overwhelming Khalil before getting a hold of him in the clinch and KOing him with some nasty, destructive elbows. It was a hell of a statement and had fans already wondering on social media how John Jones would fare against him. Number 6. Todd Duffy when it comes to heavyweights, we get hyped fast. The average champ holds the title for one and a half fights, challengers can be born nearly just as fast, and that's in today's division. Wind the clock back to 2009, and it was even more so that way. Enter Todd Duffy, looking like Thanos come to destroy half the Earth's population. Nobody knew who he was before UFC 102 Fight Week, though. He was a 23-year-old fighting out of ATT, just 5-0, his only notable win over Pride Vet Esuerdio Silva in the twilight of his career. Duffy would debut on the prelims against Tim Haig, a former King of the Cage Canada, who subbed Pat Barry in his UFC debut. It would take Big Todd all of seven seconds to win his first fight, tied for the fastest KO in UFC history at the time. A mean jab that dropped his opponent and a few shots on the ground was all he needed. In celebration, he looked at the camera and told Dana, That was an appetizer! I want to eat now, Dana! Let me eat! Everyone was immediately on the hype train, and because of his injuries, we wouldn't see him for nearly a year, only building on his legend. That was until his sophomore effort with Mike Russo, who famously KO'd him late in the fight. He would then leave the UFC, and his next bout would be in Dream for the heavyweight title against fucking Uberine. Oh no. No, Todd. He would have a few more stints in the UFC, but never captured that magic of his debut again. Number 5. Houston Alexander if I told you that a 35-year-old DJ with seven pro fights was going to make his promotional debut against a five-fight UFC vet that was on the cusp of title contention, I'm guessing you would tell me that the new guy is in big trouble. And you would have thought just as everyone did at UFC 71 when Houston Alexander debuted against Keith Jardine. The Dean of Mean, he was 4-1 in the UFC and had just earned a knockout of the night against the ultra-popular Forrest Griffin, that super-tough, durable guy who had never been finished in the UFC. When Keith found out Alexander was his next opponent, he was furious. He felt he 
should be fighting for a title shot, and truthfully, I don't know why this matchup was made. It wasn't short notice, Houston wasn't a star from somewhere else, he was 6-1-1, having almost exclusively competed in Iowa. He was nobody. That is, until May 26, 2007, when he was nearly KO'd in the first 30 seconds by Jardine, and then went into full murder mode, charging forward and finishing the bout with an uppercut that left the Dean of Mean out cold in just 48 seconds. The crowd lost their minds. It was a hell of a fight for less than a minute. A TKO win in his next bout had people calling Houston the UFC's next big star, but the debut hype wouldn't last, and Alexander would be a flop, losing his next four in the promotion, and capping it off with one of the worst fights ever against Kembo Slice. Number 4. Lando Venata the fact that Lando Venata lost his fight and is fourth on our list is a testament to the impact he made in his debut performance. This was one of those once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. UFC Fight Night 91 was headlined by Tony Ferguson versus Michael Chiesa, but when Mike pulled out two weeks before the show, the UFC had to scramble, and instead of pulling Tony from the card, they bumped him down to the co-main event and essentially offered up a sacrificial lamb to appease him, newcomer Lando Venata. The Jackson Wink fighter was 8-0, but he fought virtually nobody nowhere of note. Meanwhile, Tony was knocking down lightweight title contentions door he was on a seven-fight win streak with three straight performance of the night bonuses and a fight of the night just for good measure. His last two wins were Josh Thompson and Edson Barbosa. Nobody had any expectation of this fight but slaughter. That, however, would not be the case. Groovy came out relaxed and looked to be entirely in his element. The first round was madness, with both fighters landing massive shots, but with Tony surprisingly getting the worst of it and getting nearly finished right before the horn. The second round was more of the same on the feet, but Ferguson's versatility would see him victorious via a Darce choke. The bout would be named five of the night, and for taking it to a legitimate lightweight threat, Lando was officially the new hotness. The fact that his UFC record is 4-5-2, and two, and he's still currently on the roster, is in part because of the impact of that debut performance. Number 3. Frankie Edgar this next fight just keeps getting better with age. It's like Demolition Man or Helen Mirren. Nobody had a clue who Frankie Edgar was when he made his debut at UFC 67 against Tyson Griffin in 2007. Yes, he was a standout college wrestler, but as far as the MMA scene was concerned, he was just some guy with six fights from Jersey who hadn't fought anywhere outside the region. He was unbeaten, but he hadn't fought anybody. He beat Jim Miller, but that was before Jim Miller was Jim Miller. On the other hand, Griffin was starting to gain some serious momentum. At 8-0, with a TKO win over Dwayne Ludwig in Strikeforce, a TKO victory over Uriah Faber, and a submission of the night in his UFC debut against David Lee, Tyson was the hot prospect at lightweight. Edgar couldn't even make it onto the ultimate fighter, so the expectation was more greatness from Griffin. But what we got instead was a fight that would be right at home today, 14 years later. It was like when Marty played Johnny B. Good in Back to the Future. Maybe 2007 wasn't ready for this fight, but your kids are gonna love it. The pace blew Joe Rogan's mind. It was three rounds of non-stop go, a back-and-forth battle that utilized all aspects of their well rounded skill sets. While Edgar was getting the better of the exchanges, he would barely survive the knee bar of all knee bars as time expired. In the end, Frankie would get the UD win, the bout was an instant classic, and a taste of things to come from the division. The answer would ride that momentum as he won five of his next six on his way to a world title. Number 2. Joe Lozon the genius of Joe Lozon cannot be stated enough. In 2006, he's 13-3, with all three losses to the only notable names he's fought besides Mike Brown, Jorge Masvidal, Ivan Menjivar, and Rafael Asuncao. But this is all taking place on the regional scene in Massachusetts and Florida. The 22-year-old is not a well-known commodity. The summer before UFC 63, it's announced that Jens Pulver will finally be returning to the UFC after four years away, the man who never lost the lightweight title, and he's going to be coaching a season of The Ultimate Fighter against a yet-unknown foe who would 
turn out to be BJ Penn. To reacquaint him with the audience, since he'd been gone to Shudo, Pride, and the IFL, the UFC gave Little Evil what could only be considered a layup fight in Lausanne. Even as the commentary team talked about the bout, you could tell they thought Joe had absolutely no chance, and as far as Vegas was concerned, he didn't either. 7-1 to one odds. 48 seconds later, though, Pulver was unconscious on the mat, and Joe fucking Lausanne earned himself a knockout of the night in his UFC debut. Lausanne took Jens down immediately, and when they got back to the feet, he swarmed him. It would be a left hook that finished the job. Holy shit, what a start to his UFC career. Now, here's where the genius comes in. He just KO'd a former champion in his debut. Every fight from now on was going to be against killers. So what does he do? He gives up his UFC contract to be on the pulver season of tough because he knew the show would give him a ton of exposure, and it did. Joe has gone on to win 15 post-fight bonuses in the promotion thus far. What an absolute legend. Number 1. Junior Dos Santos when your debut is so great they cut a potential title contender, well, you're number one on our list. Junior Dos Santos was not anything anybody cared about prior to his debut at UFC 90. He was 6-1 as a pro, two fights before entering the promotion he'd been subbed. He fought exclusively on the Brazilian regional scene, but hadn't made a huge impact there. The opponent for his debut would be Fabricio Verdum, a pride veteran who was 2-1 in the UFC, his only loss to a former champion, and his two victories impressive as hell. Gabriel Gonzaga coming off his title challenge, and an 8-1 Brandon Vera, both via TKO. That's right, Vicavallo had learned to punch and kick in addition to his world champion level ground game. With a win here, Verdum would most certainly have earned a heavyweight title fight. Rogan even mentioned in the walkout that he was essentially the number two in the division at the moment, behind Big Nog and the champion. As you can imagine, JDS was a huge betting underdog, but this thing couldn't have gone better for the nicest guy in the sport. The two Brazilians felt things out for about a minute before JDS landed an uppercut that folded Verdum like an origami lawn chair made of cooked spaghetti. For good measure, he beat him to a bloody pulp on the ground and let the division know that it had a new problem. Verdun would be subsequently cut without explanation or even notification. He found out online. As for Dos Santos, he would go on the longest win streak in the division's history on his way to gold. I just want to give a gigantic shout out to Origin and Jocko for sponsoring this video. They are always our go-to for clean energy here at MMA On Point, and I'm super excited to share their subscription offering for all Jocko Fuel supplements. If you're a diehard for their all-natural, sugar-free, keto-friendly energy drinks with no artificial colors, sweeteners, or flavors like I am. Shout out to the new Afterburner Orange. You can now order these beauties by subscribing. That means by using the exclusive code MMAONPOINT20 at originmain.com slash jocko-fuel. You not only get 20% off your subscription, but you also get free lifetime shipping if you're a U.S. resident. Once you're subscribed, there's no need to reorder. You're good to go on living your best life without a hassle. A big old shout out to my dude Luke Taylor for editing this video together. You can find him and his awesome digital art on Twitter at cool to me underscore. A big, big thank you to Ben Rosette who provided that sweet tune you heard in the intro. Check out his music by clicking the link in the description and go give him a follow on his Instagram and Twitter page at Ben Rosette. Thanks for watching. Please give us a like and subscribe. We've got three new videos or more for you every single week. Let us know what you thought of the video in the comments below. Follow On Point MMA on Twitter and have yourself a wonderful day.